All right, well, good morning, Doxa Church. As always, it's, it's great to, to be together. If you are, in fact, new or, or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors. It's great to have you part of the, the Doxa family today. But here's, here's where we're at. All right, last week, uh, Vision Sunday. What we do here is our propensity is every year, that first Sunday of the new year, we, we have a thing called Vision Sunday, where the goal is really just to get us all on the same page as we walk with Jesus together here in Madison. And I mentioned last week that, that unlike in past years, we're, we're doing something a little bit different um, this year, all right? That rather than just doing one week on Vision Sunday, we're going to take the next three weeks. So four total weeks on this before we jump back into a study in Genesis. But last week, we, we began the year by, by talking about being a church in waiting, right? And we went to Acts chapter one. We looked at the very first church in waiting. And before the Holy Spirit came and just birthed the church and the Spirit lit the flame and just went, right? And we looked at this church, a church that was just like a people that were dependent on God. They looked to God to like empower them, to change them, to conform their lives into the image of Jesus. And so for, for the really kind of the next few weeks of, of this new year, this is just an attempt, really just our basic attempt to cultivate a culture here at Doxa. And we're going to consider these ideas of dependence and faith and intimacy and prayer and fasting. And guys, I want to tell you kind of where this came from. All right, it's not like we just kind of cherry-picked this and said, hey, this seems like a good topic. But really over the last year or so in my life, really in the, my times in the Bible, my times in prayer, you know, walking through just like one of the hardest seasons of my life, I've, I've felt God's movement in my moments. Right, There's this time where like God is just like trying to break in to teach me something. Have you guys felt this before? Like you're just walking through life and, and God's there and he's with you all the time. We, we know that he's Emmanuel, God with us, and he's just like trying to teach us something. Right, he's, he's moving in our lives in a way that maybe you're, you're feeling called that there's something supposed to be different about your life, that he's calling you to be a different type of person, to do a different type of thing. You've all felt this. Maybe you're feeling that right now, but this is where I've been, and, and I've been trying to like lean into this, trying to see how God might be teaching me and leading me and just conforming me and shaping me more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus, but, but I was for a long time just really unclear as to what I was feeling and what I was supposed to do. And then a couple months ago, okay, I was meeting with a guy who's been kind of mentoring me, just shaping me, really just trying to help me become the man that God has created me to be, just kind of discipling me, something that we all need in our lives, right? Men and women to walk alongside of us, to, to help us to grow more and more like Jesus. And as we were kind of just talking, reading the Bible, praying together, Revelation 4 came to mind. All right, and in Revelation 4, John is on Patmos, right? And he's getting these like prophetic visions from God, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all this, he hears a voice. He hears a trumpet from heaven. He looks up and he sees an open door. And in Revelation chapter 4, as he sees this open door, he hears a voice. It's the voice of God, and God is saying, come up here. Come up here, and I'm going to show you what this all means. Come up here, and I'm going to show you what must happen. And in that moment... Guys, I, I just felt like a, a fatherly invitation from God. Come up here. And that's not to say that there's like hierarchies of Christianity, like some of you are JV and then you have the varsity squad and then you're pro, right? There's none of that. But if we look at this, guys, there is a, there is a intimacy level that we can have, a knowledge of God that we continue to grow in. And I felt like God was saying, hey, you're there and I love you and I'm with you. Come up here. 
I want to show you something more. I want to show you something more of myself, something more of the gospel. And this is what I've been feeling like God has been inviting me to do, and not only me, but us collectively as the Doxa family. Just come up here. Because we got a lot going on in our own lives personally, but collectively here as a church. Exciting things. I mean, Lord willing, two church plants going out this year. A lot of ministry happening right down the street on campus. A lot of ministry happening throughout our city. The church is growing, and there's this sense that we just need to get to work. We need to run hard. We need to keep up with what God is doing, and we just need to produce and strategize and plan and just do a bunch of things, right? And these are all good things, kingdom-expanding things for the glory of God, and my personality, guys, some of you, you know me, I get really excited about these things. I mean, I'm talking loud right now, okay? But, you know, I just get really excited and I start running around. I start doing a lot of things. I want to push the gas pedal down to the floor and just go. But these are Rob's thoughts and Rob's propensity. And in the midst of this, guys, I don't sense God saying to me and showing me, hey, go. Just get moving. Get to work. Instead, what I do here is the voice of God through the scriptures saying, come up here. And if I had to summarize this vision series that we're in as we're moving forward into 2022 in one word, here's what I'd say. It's the idea of withness. All right, I want you to write down that word, withness. And I know some of you are English majors and you're like, that's not a word, Rob. I know you say you're not that smart, but I want to tell you this, okay? Withness is this this word in this concept that was coined by an early African church father named Augustine of Hippo. And as he talked about withness, all right, it's this idea of living with God, walking with Jesus as the highest priority of our life. And this is something that our church was founded on and is something that I sense that God is calling our church to remember. Christian, it's withness. This is really the foundation to your life with God. You're the Christian life, it's withness. And so let me explain it like this, okay? For many Christians, as we think about like, a godly life, a, a, the Christian life, we tend to think of it in terms of morality and mission. That for many, you think a godly life in, in, in terms of like just kind of like the Christian life is about doing good things and kind of staying away from bad things. And so for many, the Christian life is one of fighting sin and pursuing good things in our life. That we see Jesus and his perfection, he's living a life without sin, and we understand that sin hinders our relationship with God, and so our focus becomes fixated on killing sin in our lives, seeking to live just a moral good life. It's the view of morality. But many people also view the Christian life primarily as one of mission. And so we radically try to live a life on on mission, where we leverage our life for the kingdom of God where we're helping and we're giving and we're serving and we're going and we're sharing, that we go across the hall, we go across the street, we go across the world with the good news of the gospel to help people to know Jesus. And we think of the Christian life primarily through introducing people to Jesus. Here's what I'll tell you, Doxa. And maybe you're thinking like, is he really gonna say that those things are not important? No, not at all. Those things are, guys, great importance. And they're definitely the fruit of the Christian life, but I want you to understand that morality and mission in all of our life actions are fruit, but they're not the root. All right, that they are evidence of our salvation and show that the gospel of Jesus has truly taken root in our lives. And so I don't wanna minimize morality and mission at all, but here's what we need to know. All those things are rooted in something far more important. That here at Doxa, we strive to kill sin and to be like Jesus. 
And we're all about continuing on the mission of Jesus, living for and loving like Jesus, right? And we're all about like helping people meet Jesus through evangelism and church planning and and just kind of neighboring, loving like Jesus. But above all this, guys, the root or the foundation is withness. That fruitfulness flows through withness. And so I want you to remember this. Christian, just hear me on this, okay? You cannot live for Jesus without living with Jesus. And so withness is so important. So important. And this is the principle, the big overarching principle in Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha. Do you remember this account in the Gospels? Jesus comes into town. He visits his two friends, Mary and Martha, these sisters. He goes into their house Martha and Mary, they're excited to see Jesus. Martha starts running around, doing things for Jesus, trying to do things that would honor him and and bring glory to his name and treat him as special. And she's working really, really hard, just running around, doing a bunch of stuff, good stuff. Mary, on the other hand, is just following Jesus around. And he stops and she stops and she just sits at his feet. And she's just sitting there at his feet. And Martha's running around, she's sweating, and she starts to get all hot and bothered and just get mad and all this stuff. And she's like, hey, Jesus, like my sister, she always does this. She's lazy. Every time you come to town, she's just sitting at your feet. Will you say something to her? Rebuke her. She's got a lazy demon or something. Like, get it out of her. And what does Jesus say to her? Verse 42, I think. He says, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. Mary has chosen the one necessary thing, and it will never be taken from her. Other translations say the good portion, the better thing. And Jesus affirms Mary's posture of withness as the most important thing. And docs, I'll tell you, the truth is our lives as Christians are primarily about being with God, not just doing things for God. You get that? This is big. And if you're anything like me, guys, this runs so countercultural to how we tend to think about things. Because we are such like a work, do, produce, accelerate type of people and type of culture. And while those things that we can do for Jesus are good and they're necessary for kingdom advancements, I want you just to hear this. Guys, it's secondary. It is absolutely secondary. And the thing that I'm praying that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand is that we really can't live for God without living with him. And when we talk about this idea of living with God, we're talking about intimacy, right? We're talking about connection, abiding. And so withness is really just practicing and experiencing the presence of God in the simplicity of our daily lives. And as I've been thinking about this, okay, I was, I was brought back to a man who influenced me greatly the first few months I was a Christian, all right? His name was Herman, or Nor- Nicholas Herman, right? And he was a guy that I actually never met before as he was a monk that lived in the 1600s. All right? But he's better known as Brother Lawrence who wrote a little but yet powerful book called Practicing the Presence of God, which honestly has shaped my life as a man of God. And the essence of his writing is this. If I had to summarize like, kind of his posture on practicing the presence of God, it's this, is that living with God in his presence leads to love. In other words, the more that we know God, the more that we'll love him. And the more that we love him, the more that we'll be like him. And the more that we'll be like him, the more we'll live for him. And the more that we live for him, 
The more his life in love and truth will be shown to our world, and the more his life, love, and truth is shown to the world, the more people will meet him, which is the mission of Jesus that we're part of as a church. This mission that Jesus has died and rose to empower us to continue what he started. But I want you to know that it starts with and is empowered by witness. That witness is the fuel to a living a life for God. And some of you need to know that. Some of you, I know that you love Jesus and you are a Christian. You're in the family of God. But your joy, your obedience, your ability to fight temptation and sin and live a holy life like Jesus, it just seems like unattainable to you. Maybe it's that we don't understand witness. And I've been asking God to use this message to help us all learn, especially me. But here's the big question, guys. How do we cultivate witness? Right? Like, how do we do that? And a pastor named Matt Chandler, through his writings, has really helped me understand this. And a lot of what I'm going to share is like stuff that I've learned from him. But how do we cultivate this? Witness. Because doing for Jesus, I mean, that's just easy, right? We got a list, we open up the scriptures, we see Jesus' words, works, and ways, we pattern our lives after him, and I got that. That's really, really easy. But witness sounds a little bit more like ethereal and just intangible, right? Like, I mean, how do I actually do this? How do I live for God in a way that I can actually be empowered by God? How? Here's what I believe. I think the greatest witness practice that we've been given is prayer. It's prayer. And last week, we, we talked about how prayer was one of the primary things that this first church in waiting did. You remember, as we looked at Acts chapter 1, they gathered together and in one accord. They believed that God would move and do great things, and then they prayed. And it was that posture that allowed them to experience like a great movement of God in their midst. As Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit just kind of swept through, brought revival, awakening, and changed people, changed families, changed nations, changed the world forever. And so prayer is what we're going to talk about today. So grab your Bible and find your way to Matthew chapter 6. All right? We'll get there in a little bit. But as you get to Matthew chapter 6, I need to kind of like just talk about this and, and reinforce this point. Prayer is not just something that we do to be extra religious it's not just something that we do because that's what we do before we eat. It's not something that we do because we feel guilty. Like, you know, you hear people be like, Jesus died on the cross for your sin and you can't even pray for one minute today, right? It's not like that. But I need you to understand that prayer is a tool that helps us cultivate witness, which empowers us to live for the glory of God in the good of your family, our city, our nation, our world. That with comes before for. And once again, guys, this is something that if we as God's people got this, everything would change. It's been my prayer as I've been prepping this message that this would move like 18 inches in my life. You've heard that, right? From my head to my heart. Because as a pastor, like I know this. I know this. I know the importance of prayer. But sometimes I can just live my life acting like I'm just totally ignorant of it. And so God help us to get this. But here, I need you to know, Jesus modeled this. As we look through the Gospels, Jesus modeled us, modeled for us in his earthly life this idea of being with the Father so he could live for the Father. And so this is relevant to all of us 
who are Christians. So take a look. It's going to come up here on the screen. A couple verses throughout the Gospels. Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed the crowds, what did he do? He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 6, 46. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke, 15, or Luke 5, 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places, and he would pray. Because here's what I want you to see. As we watch Jesus' life throughout the Gospels, he is consistently and constantly modeling witness. That in the midst of like a bunch of ministry happening, a bunch of things happening around him, he constantly got away to be with the Father, and he prayed. And if you just think about this, guys, this is so opposite of our postures today and the posture of our world. That there were times, I mean, in, this, in these moments that I just read, there were times when like thousands of people were gathering around Jesus. There was excitement. They were there to listen to Jesus and his teachings. And in the midst of all these exciting things happening, in the midst of thousands of people surrounding Jesus, Jesus is like, man, this is awesome. Okay, I gotta go. I'm gonna go pray. Just got away. Now, I just want you to think about this, guys. If next Sunday we showed up here and thousands of people were surrounding our building, I mean, how many of us would be like, you know what we need to do? Let's just have a prayer service, right? I mean, how many? Some of you really godly people, you're great, right? Maybe you can come up here next week, right? But I would like to say, I would love to do that. But I know, like, my propensity as just a broken, needy, sinful man, my propensity would be, like, just to get overwhelmed and excited and just think, man, we gotta, we gotta figure out what to do. Let's plan, let's strategize, let's get out the whiteboard, let's just start going. But Jesus, he models something different. Withness and the importance of prayer in our life. Now think about this. As the disciples watched Jesus in these rhythms of his life and as he was constantly seeking to be with the Father, I think something happened inside the disciples. That as they watched Jesus do miraculous things, like walking on water, casting out demons, healing people of diseases, raising people from the dead, feeding 5,000 people with like a kid's Lunchable, like they were just like in awe. They saw him do these things. But here's the interesting part. Because you realize they, they never asked Jesus to teach him how to do those things. I mean, isn't that strange? Like, they looked at Jesus and said, man, that walking on water bit, that was awesome. Like, how do you do that? Special shoes? Like, what do you do? Right? You, they're like, you, you like laid the hammer down on those demons. And they were so afraid of you. Like, teach us to do that. Because they never did that. They never asked them how to do that. Instead, what did they ask? Hey, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And here's what I think. That is, these, these disciples watched Jesus in this rhythm of prayer in his life as he modeled witness with the Father. They connected Jesus' spiritual power with his prayerfulness. And they thought, man, if I could learn to pray like Jesus... I can walk in power like Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I know that's true of Jesus. And then I started thinking, even this morning when I woke up, my like, heroes of the faith, like the men and women that I most respect in my life, you know what marks every single one of them? They are men and women of prayer. 
And I'm just captivated by that. And so I believe that if we want to walk in spiritual power and see the movement of God, the breakthrough of God, the awakening of God, both in our lives and through our lives, we need to be people of prayer. This is the Christian life. Withness through prayer equals spiritual power. And so another question, how do we pray? So like maybe you're convinced, okay, prayer is a big, I know it's a big deal. How do I actually do that? And as we look at the Bible, right, Jesus only taught specifically on this one time, and then he just modeled it with his life. And after we finish the book of Genesis and celebrate Easter, we're going to come back to the prayers of Jesus throughout the Gospels. And we're going to spend some time, a number of weeks, studying how Jesus prayed in these different prayers that we see throughout the Gospels so that we can learn to pray like Jesus. But for now, we're going to look at the one time that Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. This is what Jesus says. You want to pray, you want to practice witness, you want spiritual power, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right, and so here's what we're going to do. We could say so much about this prayer, but I want to point out three key things about Jesus' teaching on prayer, which really just inform us of what prayer is all about. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray together as a church family. All right, so I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, what's the fastest way out of here? Like, when are they going to blink really long and get out of here? But guys, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. And so three things to notice about Jesus' teaching on prayer. And the first is this. I want you to notice that Jesus says to pray to a father with a kingdom. Father with a kingdom. Look back. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I talk about this a lot, and every time we talk about prayer, I'm going to mention it. But the most important thing that I can tell you about prayer and the most important thing for you to know about prayer is that God is Father. God is Father. And for Jesus, this was his favorite title for God. Father. That if you look through the four Gospels, Jesus calls and refers to God as Father 165 times. God is Father. And up until this point, it would be unheard of to address God in this way. Because you need to understand, and if you're familiar with your Old Testament, Yahweh is a holy God. Jesus says, hallowed, meaning holy or great be your name. And you would not dare approach this holy God in an informal way. Because he is king. He's powerful. And there needs to be reverence. But I want you to hear this. Because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of his standing, he opens the door for all of us, through faith, to press in and call the sovereign God of the universe Father. Guys, and Father is just this intimate, warm, relational understanding that no religion in the world throughout history shares. See, most other religions in the world see God as either like an impersonal force or just like a frightening judge who punishes evil. But for the Christian, we can call on God as Father. Listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. He says it like this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption 
as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so what this means is that when we pray, we do it respectfully, all right, but we need not pray formally because we're talking to our Father. That in prayer, we, we come to God as a child comes to their Father. And if you want to learn how to pray, Doxa, watch and listen to how a young child talks to their dad, specifically how kids with good dads who love and adore and cherish them, how they talk to their father. That if their dad is a really good dad and really loves their kids, then they have like a healthy relationship. Just watch that relationship because for those of you who are dads in here, right, you know, you didn't get to the point where you had to sit down and be like, okay, now son, here is how you address me when you want some water. Father, I beseech you. Can I, right? You didn't have to do that, but if you, if you have like a loving relationship with your father, if the father is adoring you and loving you and providing for you in his presence, the kid just kind of figures it out. Hey, daddy. Right? It's this intimate, loving relationship. They figure it out because they know, the child knows they are a priority. And they just run, right? I mean, those of you who have kids, dads, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. The kid just barges in and be like, dad, I need a fruit roll-up. I'm like, I got my hands like covered in stuff. I need a fruit roll-up. Okay, right? They just, they just know. Dad loves me. I'm a priority. He's going to get me a fruit roll-up. That's what kids do. They talk to their dads all the time about everything. Docs of the fatherhood of God is huge. And I pray that we get this right because it will change everything about your life. The issue with this is our world is filled with father wounds. Because many of us have grown up maybe without a dad. Or maybe you had an absent dad or the time bomb dad. Some of you had really great dads. I really hope you did. But the problem is that so many people, so many of us, myself, I have a father wound. And so my propensity is to project my experiences with my earthly father and my heavenly father. But what I want to tell you is that God our Father is not like your earthly father. He is way better. No matter how bad he was or how good he was, God is a father. He's infinitely better. Amen? This is the truth. And so God, help us to understand this because when you know God is Father, prayer happens naturally. But if you don't know God is Father, prayer is going to be completely unnatural for you. And I want you to know, guys, that your heavenly Father, He loves you. He knows you. He sees you. He's present with you all of your days, in every moment of your life. And if you focus on Him and His love and His presence, guys, prayer will become natural and you will find yourself just talking to Him, which is what prayer is all about. It's communication and communion. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, is this actually true in my life? And I just started to be cognizant of like, do I like talk to God like this, like a father? And like, I counted like the number of times I just caught myself at the gym the other day. And it was like 20 times, just little things. Someone pops in my head. I'm like, my neighbor is really having a hard time. I'm like, I just be with him. It's prayer. I mean, it's just talking to our father as a kid. And so we pray to a sovereign, all-powerful Father. Now, I need to tell you this. All right, some of you have been told that God is the Father of all. But I need you to know that this is not true. God is the creator of all, but he's not the Father of all. And here's what you need to know. 
that we can call God Father only through the atoning work of Jesus. And so if you've come to Jesus in faith, asking Him to take your sin and give you His righteousness, God is forever your Father. And this is amazing, right? I mean, this is why we sing. This is why we have our hands up. This changes everything, amen? This is who He is. But if you're here and you're in church, but you're not in Christ, meaning you haven't come to Jesus in faith, I just need you to understand that you are not a child of God. You are an object of wrath. You're an enemy of God because of your sin. And I love you enough to say this because I want you to know God is Father. I want you to find a remedy and a solution and forgiveness for your sin. I want you to escape the reality of eternal separation from God. But He's not your Father. And this is why the gospel that we talk about all the time, that we sing about, that we preach about, that we pray through all the time here at Doxa is of first importance above everything. It's Jesus. And someone here needs to hear this. That unmediated sin in your life is your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is not financial, it's not relational, it's not occupational, it's none of that. It's sin. And while all people are sinful, Right, myself included, I am a broken man. There is sin, there is a lot of sin in my past, there's sin in my present, and there's sin in my future that I have not got to yet, but I promise you I will. We are all sinful people in need of a savior. And until we find that savior, we don't have a father in heaven. And while many people in our world will recognize this, Right? We'll, we'll see that there's brokenness in our lives. We know that we're not perfect, and we try and fix that. And we do it through counseling. We look to spirituality. We look to religion. We look to philanthropy to try and make ourselves kind of look a little bit better, to overcome the brokenness in our lives. I want you to know that none of that changes your standing with God. He sees the heart. He doesn't see your outward actions. So it's not about religion. It's all about Jesus. This is the gospel. And the gospel is that God created you to be here with him, in relationship with him. But sin has come into the world, into all of our lives, and the nature of sin is that it separates. It separates us from God, and it separates us from people. And we all sin all the time. And if this separation goes on forever, this is where we just get into eternal separation, which is the terrible conscious reality of hell. But this is the good news. God the Father, who loves us and sees us, and provides for us. He sends his son Jesus to step into the human story, our story, to live a life without sin, to die for our sin, and to raise for our salvation, that if we come to him and say, Jesus, here is my jacked upness, now help me to have witness. He takes that sin and he brings us to him. This is the gospel, and this is why it's good news. And so I'll ask you, do you know God the Father? Have you been connected to the Father through the Son? Have you given Jesus your sin and had him introduce you to the Father? If the answer is yes, Christian, thank him. Sing to him. Give your life to him. Worship him. Live for him. But above all, live with him. With him. And if the answer is no, you need to know God is not your father, but he's waiting for you.
And that is actually why you're here. Because God as a sovereign Father has brought you here to meet Him. To help you understand your sin and His Son so that He can be your Father. And the invitation for you is to come to Jesus. This is of first importance. The second thing to note, verse 11, look at this. Give us this day our daily bread. All right, so this prayer that Jesus teaches us is a great reminder that our God is a giver. And I think many of us, we, we don't tend to take this prayer seriously because we already have today's bread and we have tomorrow's bread and we have bread for the day after that, right? That God has been so gracious to us that he's answered this prayer so fully that we have bread for the next 30 days. But in the Exodus, you need to understand God's people would pray for their daily bread every day and they got it. And I'll tell you that there are people around our city and around our world that still pray for their daily bread because they don't know if they're going to eat and how they're going to eat. And by praying for our daily bread, not only are we reminded that God is a giver, but it also opens our heart to pray for those who lack daily bread. Because if we have today's bread and tomorrow's bread, it should open our heart to answer the prayers of others and share our bread because it's actually not our bread, but it's God's bread, amen? And we live on mission like that, living and giving and loving like Jesus. But God is a giver. And it's his delight to give good gifts to his kids. Pure delight. I want you to think about it like this. John Piper says it like this. He says, when you pause to consider that God is infinitely strong and can do all that he pleases and that he is infinitely righteous so that he only does what is right and that he is infinitely good so that everything he does is perfectly good and that he is infinitely wise so he always knows perfectly what is right and good and that he is infinitely loving so that in all his strength and righteousness and goodness and wisdom he raises the eternal joy of his loved ones as high as it can possibly be raised. When you pause to consider this, it's then that the lavish invitation of God to ask him for good things with the promise that he will give them is unimaginably wonderful. Unimaginably wonderful. Just think about that. This means that one of the great short-term tragedies in the church is how little inclination we have as God's people to pray. That the greatest invitation in the world is to come to God, to talk to God, to pray to him, communicating with him, communing with him, asking him for what we need. And our God, he invites us to ask. Do you know that? He's not just like an angry God sitting up in heaven looking down on you as just pathetic and be like, there he goes, messing up again, right? When is he going to learn? You know, I'm not going to listen to him now, right? He's a father. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us to go to God and he says, ask and seek and knock. That we can ask God and we can keep asking God that we're not bothering God. You're not bothering God when you go to him in prayer and ask. And I know that some of you, you feel like that. You feel like God doesn't really care about you. The small things in your life, he doesn't really concern himself with anything like that. That there's a few billion people in this world and he does not look to you because he's got too many things going on. But I want you to remember God is Father. Do you see why this is so important? He's Father. And he says, ask. And this isn't like with our fathers growing up, right? When your dad says, ask me that one more time, right? Because when he said that, that was like, yeah, you're going to get it, right? No. He's, Jesus is serious. He says, keep asking me. And I'll tell you this, through faith, God hears your prayers and he answers every single prayer. You need to know that he really does. 
And I know that there's people, and this is in my life too, that you're here and you've prayed for something and it didn't happen. And so you have the thought that God must not be listening. God must not care. He's not a good father. But I want you to hear this. God hears and answers every single prayer. He either says yes, no, or later. He answers every single prayer. Parents, you get this with your kids, right? I mean, my kids at bedtime, like all the time. Dad, can I have a hug and a drink of water? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Dad, can I have an ice cream sandwich? No, unless it's got melatonin in it, absolutely not, right? Dad, can we play laser tag real quick? Later, bud. Yes, no, or later, God answers every single prayer. Through prayer, we get the great gift of talking to God and the ability to ask him for good things. And the third and last thing I'll mention is this, is that God our Father is a helper. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, the way that Jesus teaches us to pray reminds us that God is a helper. He gives us guidance and protection. And in this prayer, we're asking God to help us not stray from him in his words and his ways. And we ask him to lead us in his will for our lives because we know that ultimately his will and his ways are better than ours. We all have ways about doing life and thoughts about how to do life, but we also understand that Isaiah 55 says that God's words and God's ways are higher than ours and are better than ours. And we say, God, have your will be done in my life. See, prayer isn't just about moving the hand of God to get what we want, but it's often about molding our hearts to become who he's made us to be. So we live how he's created us to be. This is what God does in prayer. A prayer is not so much about getting something, but it's about being with someone. And so we pray and we ask God to lead us in his will for our lives, to bring glory to him and good to others. And we ask God to just direct our steps so that we can live like Jesus and continue what he started, bringing the love of God to the people of the world around us that he loves. And we simply say, God, lead us and protect us because our souls have an enemy. Do you know that, Doxa? Our souls have an enemy, and Satan's schemes of evil include temptation to sin and to stray from God. And Jesus tells us elsewhere that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. That Satan wants to steal your health. He wants to steal your joy, to steal your love. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, talk to the Father who is a king and ask him, to protect you as you venture through life in my service. And so this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. Now here's what we're gonna do, guys. The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. That's the one application I have for you today. Just talk to your Father in heaven. And so we're gonna spend some time praying. And as we do this, I, I want you to take the posture of a kid. A kid talking to their loving Father. And so you don't need to speak in King James, right? You don't have to do the old English stuff. You don't have to do that. Just talk to him. You don't have to know the exact right things to say. If you trip over your words, if you start talking about ice cream sandwiches in the middle of something because you're hungry, like whatever. You're a kid going to your father. We're just going to talk to him. We're just going to talk to him. So let me read this again, and then we'll pray. Here's what Jesus says. Pray like this, Doxa. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take a moment in your seat and just quiet your heart. If you're taking notes on your phone, you can put that away. Unplug and just sit. If you want to bow your head and close your eyes, you can totally do that. Jesus doesn't care, believe it or not. And just be still. still and know that he is God. And let's just talk to him. Our Father in heaven, think about the love of God. I think about a little kid crawling up onto his dad's lap. Where there's just love and security he loves you. Take a moment right now and whatever is going on in your life, just talk to him as a father who cares. Hollywood God is holy, which means he is worthy. So thank him for who he is, what he has done through Jesus, and ask him to help you to see him for all that he is, in fact. Ask him even now to help you make him your highest treasure and your greatest goal. He loves you. He's made a way for you. He's worthy. Talk to him. kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has a beautiful plan for your life, even if you don't have a plan for your life. Ask him for his good and perfect will to be done in your life, in your family, through our church, our city. Talk to him and name it, those specific things your father wants to hear. Talk to him. Give us this day our daily bread. As you talk to the Father, talk to him about what's going on that he's with you, he loves you, he's listening, he's present. What is it that you need? What is it that you're really desiring, you're deeply desiring? He wants to know, he wants to hear you. Talk to him. Ask him. all the good that he has given you. 
forgive us our debts. We also have forgiven our debtors. Thank God in this moment for Jesus. Maybe there's some secret sin in your life right now that you need help overcoming. Ask him. someone in your life that you have deep resentment towards. Ask him for help to forgive them just as Jesus forgave you. And lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil. Where is it that you feel anxiety right now in your life? Fear, temptation, helplessness, not knowing the way forward. Ask him for help. Ask him to guide you, to lead you, to light up the path in front of you. Pray against temptation sin in your life and the enemy in your life. Ask God to help you overcome it. So Father, we love you. We thank you for the gift of prayer. God, you're good us, you hear us, you love us, you see us, and we love you. Would you help us to be a people that just live with you? Would you cultivate witness in us and make us like Jesus for your glory and the good of the world around us? And as your people, we all say, amen. Doc, so this is how we cultivate witness witness. Maybe you've never prayed before. Good job. You just did it for like seven minutes. Let's be that people. Let's be that church. God is saying, come up here. Come up here. I love you. Come up here. Just talk to him this week. In your car, on your way to work, really audacious, go out in the woods and just sit there for an hour. You can pray that God doesn't kill you by hypothermia, right? Just talk to him. So let's sing and let's worship as we continue to cultivate witness. So stand up and let's sing.